This week on The Word of the Lord Endorse Forever, we continue on in James with a dead faith, faith in works, taming the tongue, a restless evil, and wisdom from above. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. What at first was hourly, nightly, then maybe every couple days media coverage, the Russia-Ukraine war now has dragged on into two years. This coming Saturday will be the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. What has changed? Is there a path to peace? And how difficult has it been for the church in Ukraine? Welcome back to Issues Etc. Joining us to discuss the two-year anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war, Dr. Yakislav Horpinchuk. He's Bishop of the Ukraine Lutheran Church, and he joins us from Western Ukraine. Dr. Horpinchuk, welcome. Thank you for this opportunity, and greetings to all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you remember about the day of the initial invasion? I actually, I was, uh, on that day, I was ill with covid but I remember the sounds of sirens and then uh, probably in an hour or so big explosions and then shockwave that went through place and then fires and blazes and and then first reports about dead civilians and destroyed apartment buildings and uh, killed soldiers in action and uh, I remember vividly how I was going around and driving a bus and a van and going and visiting some families that lost their soldiers and trying to bring them some comfort of the gospel, praying with them and uh, hugging little children that lost their parents. Also remember how we try to organize self-defense so that we could uh, defend ourselves against Russians. And then I had reports from my son who was trying to escape the city that he escaped and his friends who were driving the same road one hour later in a car were murdered by Russians who caught them and uh, they not even ask them to leave the car, just just kill them dead, right there in the car. Three young people, students of the same university. Then uh, lots of lots of activity around. Many people volunteered. Many people tried to gather supplies because we didn't have enough. Even at that time, we didn't have enough things for the army. Then more and more and more reports about people who died and the reports about conquered southern Ukraine, how Russians came out from the Crimea and calls from our pastors because I kept in touch with all our pastors. One of them was in Kharkiv, a city 40 kilometers away from the Russian border. And it was in the first hours of the war I 
called him and asked if he could escape. He said, no, Russian tanks are around the city and they jam our cars that are in the streets with people in them. So driving will be just just like, you know, to, be, uh, uh, to make a suicide, to commit a suicide. And then uh, reports from other pastors from southern Ukraine and uh, from a pastor from Tokmak who said that they had very close-range battles taking place there. And then in a few days after that, calls from pastors from the cities where Russians were present and reports about atrocities that were made, that Russians were first looking for the local police, trying to arrest them, then they were after city council members throwing them into prisons, then they were after local, uh, all kinds of uh, political parties, we have many political parties in Ukraine, throwing them into dungeons and uh, beating them, breaking their bones, fingers. And then the turn came also to pastors. Protestants in particular, Pentecostals, Baptists, all of them were arrested and thrown into dungeons and then tortured there. Our pastor was able to escape. I suggest that he just hide that he's, he's a pastor and try to go through the front line. He was able to escape a road that probably took him in uh, our lives, you know, when we had a peaceful life. We drove that road from Tokmak to Zaporizhia, probably one hour and 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes at most. It took him about three days because Russians were everywhere. They were trying to stop people to take away their possessions and uh, rob, actually, you know, if you have anything precious, a computer, for example, or something like that, then it's better to give it away immediately because you cannot fight against uh, their guns and their numbers. So I felt a big relief when I learned that he arrived into Zaporizhia. He immediately called me and said, I'm in Zaporizhia. Other members, most members, were also able to escape and we are now with our brothers and sisters from a local congregation that help us to be located, find premises for us to continue to live because they were first in, at homes and at other places. And also words of support that I remember very clearly because when the war broke out, I immediately had calls from our brothers in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod from President Schrader, from Pastor Roger Neumann, Grace Lutheran Church of Skalusa. He's a pastor who is responsible for connections with the Ukraine Lutheran Church and lots of words of encouragement and prayers. We communicated each single day. And also then words from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, who are our long-standing partners. They were, were worried about us, how we were doing, 
and they asked to keep in touch and they prayed for us. And then many letters and many calls from our brothers and sisters in America, in uh, uh, Europe, even in Japan. So on one on the one hand we had a very very hard times. So on the other hand we had this encouragement, these prayers, the support from uh, our brothers and sisters, from our partners, and that was very very much encouraging for us. How has the the war impacted church life? Well, I think the church was depleted by the war. Uh, many people have run away, fled the country. Uh, I serve in Kyiv, our congregation is in Kyiv. I came from Kyiv yesterday and I'm leaving uh, this place where I'm now tomorrow in the morning for Kyiv. Probably a third one-third uh, members of our congregation have left the country and I did help them to leave because what I saw was terrible. There was a town Bucha near Kyiv and there was one of family that lived there and it all happened, this many calls were happening in the first hours of the war and the uh, I was calling them, asking them how they were doing, and they said they don't know what they were going to do. And I told them, please just leave. Just leave. Go as soon as possible. Or maybe nothing would happen, they said, but they nevertheless, they collected things and left. And then just the next probably half a day, Russians were there. And so many people were murdered. So many houses were destroyed. So many people suffered so many people were tortured to death then i tried to call and keep in touch with our brothers in elfk that's our sister church in germany uh, i called and kept in touch with president michael herbst i asked him whether they could accept our refugees because we didn't want them to be alone we wanted them to be at churches, to be among brothers and sisters in Germany or in Sweden or in uh, Norway or in Finland where we have our sister churches and I am very grateful to them that they opened their doors and accepted so many, so many people from Ukraine including our people from Kyiv and Bucha and other places near Kyiv where they would probably suffered death and destruction and they were met they were comforted they were welcome into the church they heard the word of god preached they became communicant members there they still are there because we still have a very dangerous situation so that's on the one hand we had this big big problem that many people were leaving ukraine and you know we are grateful to to our european neighbors to poland to germany to scandinavian countries who opened their doors and accepted millions of ukrainians not just like refugees not just they didn't leave them in to live in the in the camps no they took them into their homes and that continues so they they feel they do really feel at home 
at homes of parishioners and at home at church. But then, uh, then you know, when uh, Kiev uh, had big problems with food supply, I and gasoline because Russians destroyed all our oil deposits. I was uh, with my uh, deacons, was uh, filling vans and were bringing food to Kiev just to help uh, survive our parishioners, our congregation members. And uh, one day, I think it was Easter 2022, I was uh, looking at uh, uh, through a door uh, saying goodbye to uh, the last member who was uh, walking from the church, going home, and I saw a woman at the gate of the church. And she was, I realized she was very hesitant, standing there. And uh, I went to her, approached her and uh, looked at her and I realized that she was very thin and uh, she was wearing uh, sandals. And the weather was not really, you know, sunny at that time, not very, very warm. And those sandals were taped with a scotch tape. I asked her whether she would like to get into the church, and she, but she said, but all people have left. I said, no, my wife and I, we are still at church, so just come and tell us, uh, tell us about yourself. She came in and she said that she was from Hostomel. That was another town in the suburbs of Kiev that was really heavily destroyed by the Russians. And she said that when Russians came, first of all, they kicked her out of her home, and she was able to run to Kiev. She was in a cleaning business, and her boss allowed her to live in uh, at that premise at uh, some kind of an, an office, and they had a, some kind of a bed or sofa there where she slept. But the business was not working. She had no money. She could not buy anything because prices for food skyrocketed on the first place. And the second place, there was no, no food really at the stores at the time. My wife has some food that we have prepared for our Easter lunch. And we shared that with her and prayed with her. And I preached my, I don't remember, second or third sermon that day to her. Then we loaded her with food. Anything eatable that, that we were, were able to find, we packed, and I asked my son to go along with her to her office and leave it there, and invited her to come next Sunday. And then she came next Sunday, then we had already and not only food for her, but we had clothes and, most importantly, shoes, because everything she had, everything was destroyed by Russians. And then we realized that there were many such people in Kyiv. And, you know, we were, certainly were taking care of our congregation. And I would like to thank again Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod for their faithful support, because they immediately began to send money so that we could buy food and provide for the needy. And then I made an announcement and I said, if you know your neighbors who lack food, and I know there are many such people right now in Kyiv, when we are under missile attacks and kamikaze drones attacks and Russians are pretty close, just please make sure that no one dies of hunger. I share 
your food with them. We'll have uh, we'll have enough. We'll have uh, we'll have some pasta. We'll have some sausage. We'll have some bread. And our people began to take uh, additional food with them and bring it to their neighbors and sharing that food with them. And uh, we had small catechisms and uh, we published bulletins and sermons. And then many people began to come to church, neighbors and friends, our congregation members. It was not that every Sunday we were distributing food, but they were coming basically every Sunday and uh, expressing their gratitude. Then they were participating in the worship service without the Holy Communion, of course. Then they realized that they were not leaving the, our church and uh, there were such crowds that uh, our church could not uh, fill all of them. People were standing in corridors, on staircases. I was asking them if they would like to become communicant members because they saw the Holy Communion and uh, were wondering whether they could come. I told them that, yes, they can come, but first of all, they need to learn what it is. I began to explain and basic things and then announced uh, catechism classes. And then in a year, we had a confirmation of 70 people in one class. And then we decided that we should have more two worship services, two Bible classes, two catechism classes, because people were coming. Some were coming for food, but many people stayed and were coming to learn, to hear the Word of God, and to become communicant members. So the church, in fact, grew. Grew by probably hundreds of people in a year. The rate is lower right now, but the churches are still growing because the Lord is adding people. When people saw the deeds of mercy, when they, when they realized that love of the Lord is going through their neighbors who are Christians, they wanted to be among Christians. They wanted to be like them. And many of these people are volunteers right now. They help many others. They go to different areas of Ukraine. They bring food. They help soldiers. They uh, help homeless. And there are so many people who lost their homes. In our liturgy, we have no special prayer for those who were kicked out of their homes because cities are ruined, towns are ruined, villages are ruined. Hundreds of thousands of homeless people are scattered all around Ukraine, and we have many of them in our church as well. So the tribulation is very big, but the Word of God is very powerful. The good works that are done by faithful people in Christ move people to praise our Father in Heaven and to learn more about Christ, to learn more about the Church. So this is what's happening in Ukraine and uh, we only are thankful to the Lord that He has opened this door that in the midst of so much bloodshed, human sufferings, and death and uh, 
all kinds of sorrow, the church of the Lord is growing because that's that's where people hear the comfort. That's I think where the church is needed most of all. That's where preachers are needed most of all. That's where I think the call comfort comfort my people is absolutely necessary and actual. It has to be applied in the daily lives of Ukraine right now here in all places of a country. Dr. Yakislav Horpinchik is our guest, Bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church. We're reflecting on the two-year anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war. Is there a path to peace? to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at lutheranpublicradio.org Sacred music for the season of Lent lutheranpublicradio.org This month marks the 50th anniversary of the walkout of faculty and staff from the Concordia Seminary St. Louis campus in 1974. If you've ever wondered about Seminex or the walkout and what they were all about, now's your chance to learn more. Pick up the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. You can purchase that at CPH. Visit cph.org witness or learn more at our website, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome to Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Virginia Beach. Every Sunday we gather to hear God's Word rightly divided, to celebrate the Lord's Supper and grow in faith and discipleship. We welcome our military community in the Hampton Roads area. Please see our website at princeofpeacevb.org. That is princeofpeacevb.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. Come and experience firsthand by sitting down in classes and actually hearing professors. Coming to chapel, which is always the high point of the day, to hear the Word of God and to lift our voices in song. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Paul Grimm on why you should consider visiting Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Spend time talking to professors. I mean, there's not a professor here who will not be willing to to take time, whether it's after chapel during the coffee hour or just to come into one's study and, and sit down and talk for a while, to answer questions, to you know, help them to get a sense of, A, you know, do they want to be a pastor or a deaconess? And then B, is this the right place? And well, maybe C would be the question, is now the right time for them to make that decision? 
If you've contemplated the vocation of pastor or deaconess, contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or send an email to admission at ctsfw.edu. Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're reflecting on the two-year anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war. Dakislav Porpojuk is joining us. He is the bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church. He joins us from western Ukraine. Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplains deliver word and sacrament ministry to our military personnel and their families. For more information on their service, visit lcms.org slash armed forces, LCMS ministry to the armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. Bishop, is there a path to peace in this war? I think there is a path, but I think it it goes through the defense of the country. Putin and Medvedev, they openly declare that they don't want Ukrainians to remain as a nation. Basically, that's a genocide war. What we have seen in Bucha, in Hostomel, in Izum, where we also have our, our parish, and now Izum is liberated, but what we saw there when Russians were kicked out, how many how many mass graves with our people. So I think I think we will have peace, but only after we defend our country. To have a to de- to have peace talks, we'll need a strong position. Putin understands only brutal force, nothing else. He's, uh, you know, he wears a mask of a Christian preacher, but he's not a Christian. So I think that first of all we need to defend our country, and then we can certainly we can then uh, come to peace. Because peace, at the price of death of the nation, that will not be a peace. That will be an accomplishment of Putin's genocide. Because we know how many. Pastors were murdered, how many church buildings were destroyed. You know, they also have captured our church in Tokmak, our church building, immediately. And they installed there some kind of a Russian business there. It's a nice, beautiful building, but they don't care. They they came to conquer, they came to make everyone their serf or slave and if someone disagrees well they are ready to repeat what they were doing before in 1917 when they destroyed and killed so many christians in 1939 when with hitler they started the second world war by attacking poland and I am from the Western Ukraine, 
from that territory that was under Polish authority, was part of Poland. And I remember that history very well because Russians have murdered my grandfather, who was a Christian teacher. Then 1944, when they literally murdered and destroyed and sent into concentration camps so many Ukrainian Lutheran pastors and deacons, they institutionally basically destroyed our church. Only those survived who fled to Germany, Canada, and the United States. So I know that there will be peace one day, but I pray and ask you also to pray for peace that will be a just peace, a peace that will ensure a life of the Ukrainian nation and Ukrainian Christians. Under President Zelensky, do Ukrainians enjoy a free exercise of religion like we do in America? I would say yes. In uh, our church, we have no problems. You know, we continue to preach, we teach, our church is growing. We continue to preach the law and the gospel. Maybe even President Zelensky would not like what we preach sometimes because we call to repent for sins. Sometimes we call to repent for sins our bureaucrats and, and so on. But we have no restrictions in our activity. We face some problems with mobilization though, but uh, I hope that uh, that will be solved and that pastors will continue to preach and teach. But right now we have, we have freedom. Anywhere in Ukraine, I mean, on the free territory of Ukraine, because under the Russian occupation, there is no freedom at all. In fact, there is a very severe persecution and destruction and murders of Christians, preachers, especially Protestants, because Protestants in Russian understanding should not live, should not have a place in the society. The Bible should not be preached and, and so on. But in the territories that are under control of free democratic Ukraine, we have freedom. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has altar and pulpit fellowship with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ukraine. You're the bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church, and you share the same fellowship with the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Synod. How is your relationship with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ukraine? Prior to war, we hoped that we would have some conferences together and I remember having even some agreements with Bishop Mashevsky about open free conferences because there are three basically church bodies in Ukraine that have uh, the desire to be confessional, confessional churches, but uh, that uh, was not realized so far. I hope that uh, after, after the war, when those who left the country will return to Ukraine, will have this conference. Well, I hope that uh, our relations will uh, 
be good, will be productive because we shared books and uh, and some ideas together before the war. But as uh, the war rages, I think that we need them in Ukraine. After the return to Ukraine, we will restart our conversations. I believe that all confessional friends should keep in touch. And uh, I know that there is uh, a continuous dialogue between Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, Evangelical Lutheran Synod, and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And I like this dialogue. A part of my education was done in LCMS seminaries in St. Louis and in Fort Wayne, and I uh, live those seminaries very much and I have many friends at LCMS. So I hope that a similar dialogue will also be in Ukraine. Dr. Yakislav Horpentik is our guest. We're reflecting on the two-year anniversary of the Russian-Ukraine war. What has been the biggest challenge for him as bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church so far? What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Where is God's mission? God's mission is everywhere. Yes, it's far away, but it's also very near. It's as near as your congregation in school, your neighborhood, your family and friends, even as near as your home. Wherever you are, God's mission is in that place. Through his mission, Christ is bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to people everywhere, even here, right where you are. God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org slash national mission. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713-855-2681. South Africa. China. Germany. Trinidad and Did you know that people listen to Issues Etc. around the world? India. Sweden. Egypt. France. Turkey. Japan. 
Australia, Canada, United Kingdom, Hong Kong, Austria, Finland, Malaysia, Singapore, Bulgaria, Korea, Brazil. You can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by making a secure online donation at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Lutheran Public Radio and send it to LPR Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. LPR Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Help us proclaim Christ to the world. The Philippines. Mexico. Spain. New Zealand. Kuwait. Dr. Yakislav Horpinchek is our guest, Bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church. We're talking about two years of the Russian-Ukraine war. Dr. Horpinchek, what has been the biggest challenge for you as bishop in the last two years? I think that's safety of our pastors and our people. Because every time... I hear an air raid alarm. After it, I need to call them to make sure that everyone is alive because destructions are terrible. Russians send their missiles onto our residential areas. And uh, every time you don't know whether people were pastor here or there, we hear about an attack is alive or not. And uh, those attacks are very, very bad. On the territory of our church, you know, we, thanks be to God, we were not hit, but we found pieces of Ginjal missile. I keep it now in my study room. Our storage in Hostomel with Lutheran Heritage Foundation books was destroyed by Russians. And I, we saved books many books, but even till this day when I give boxes of our books to people, I'm warning them, please be very careful because there are splinters of shells among the books or in the books of bullets because Russians were so upset when they opened the storage and found there nothing but good Lutheran books. So they launched their grenades there, they were really killing, so to say, our books with their machine guns. So safety, safety, I think, is number one challenge. And second challenge is faithfulness to the Word of God. It may sound uh, probably strange, but when you see so much brutality, which is done to your people, when you see your neighbors been murdered, when every day you see a funeral procession, people who are killed by Russians, or young men, soldiers, who are brought home from the battlefields, and mothers that come before the worship service, or after the worship service, or wives of fathers, of sons, or there it's you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to love. 
your neighbor whom you don't see, Russians, and questions that people ask about the Lord and why he allowed all this to happen. I think it's a challenge for any pastor because we also are living human beings and uh, we want this war to be stopped. And uh, for me, you know, I certainly understand that there are Christians in Russia. But I wonder what kind of Christianity is there if all of them publicly support all these atrocities, all this evil. What's going on with Christianity in general? That's another another big challenge. The third, I think, I think is we see so much sorrow, so much anxiety, so much tribulation. I think every pastor is exhausted because uh, it's not just it's not a movie, it's not a TV, it's a real life with all these people around you and yourself and you simply become tired and uh, you pray to the Lord to give strength to reach out, to preach, to teach, to bring comfort to make sure that people know Christ and uh, if they die tonight after the next Russian attack so they will have life eternal even if they lose life in this world because the Lord has died for our sins for sins of all the world and by His blood we are cleansed and by faith in Him we are justified and have eternal life. And we want this message to be heard everywhere. So that's a challenge. But I know one thing, that the Lord will give us strength. And I know that He will work through His Word and through His sacrament. We know that they are the means that he will work through and we rely upon his word and he is faithful we are very thankful to our brothers in Wales who always every day remind us about that and encourage us to be faithful and we're grateful to all our brothers pastors in Ukraine who support each other who encourage to stay true to their calling, not to leave the country, not to leave the flocks, but to serve faithfully. Dr. Yakislav Horpanchuk is Bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church, and he joined us from Western Ukraine. Dr. Horpanchuk, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd, very much, too. And I would like, let me say at the end, I am listening to the issues, etc., on a regular basis. I usually don't hear uh, it live, but I enjoy it very much. I recommend it to my friends. And you are an encouragement to us in Ukraine. Not only that, but you also are an example. We try to follow, to emulate you. So the people would hear that in Ukrainian as well. 
Issues Etc. has been brought to you in part today by Luther Academy. Luther Academy serves Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Learn about the worldwide mission work of Luther Academy at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Sean Denzer about Peter confessing Jesus as the Christ in Mark chapter 8. And we'll discuss the creation account and Lutheran theologian Herman Zasse. Our guest will be Dr. Ben Mays. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. In a world awash with all sorts of information, opinions, and ideas, there is still a place where God's Word is the central and only focus. Messiah Lutheran Church, 801 North Madison, Lebanon, Illinois. At 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, God's people gather there to listen to Him. There you will find His words of law and gospel, and of course, our Lord's Holy Supper. Bible classes focus on the Bible and the Lutheran confessions. Come, listen, believe, and live, and check out our website at messiahlebanon.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.